Good morning. I think it would be good that we would take this moment and remember Bob in prayer. Um, Skip mentioned it. It would be good that we would do that now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we mingle our faith together. We ask that your healing power flow in uh, Bob's life. The resurrection power, we, we celebrate today, uh, Sunday, as Christians, we celebrate because this is celebrating the resurrection. And we're told that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that raised him from the dead, will dwell in us and quicken our mortal bodies. So we ask, do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Supernatural touch, flow of the Spirit of God into that room, in Jesus' name. We speak to every cell by the authority of Jesus. Respond to the divine order to which you were created. Cells of rebellion, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Come under the Lordship of Christ and the order of God, we pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, help today as we look at your hand behind the scenes as your spirit worked to prepare uh, a new epic to prepare a new time that all of us could again enjoy uh, the glory the power and the omniscience of your presence in our lives each and every day thank you for that amen and amen if you're at home, wave at your neighbor here at the church. Let's take a 90 seconds or so and at least acknowledge someone. You can speak, it's okay. <laughs> If you have your hand out at home, you might want to grab that. And here in uh, our campus, I'm going to just tell you right now that I'm going to talk for quite a while on the first point, and I left you that much space. So don't be freaking out about that. I believe the message of the Holy Spirit is vital for every believer who hopes to live a victorious life in any season of time, but particularly now. The Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, was designed to be right next to us, to be closer than our breath, to be our navigator, to be our source of information. Do you realize that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He's like the Wikipedia of life. But, but you need to understand something, friends. A lot of times we categorize what area of truth that he can, can deal with, and we think, oh, he only knows spiritual truth. Well, I'm going to let you know that there's been times that I've been lying underneath my car saying, I don't know how to do this. God, show me. Show me. And I'll have this thought. 
And it works. And I think, isn't that amazing? Well, you know what? That's not chance. When you ask God and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, he's the source of all truth. You know, he knows more about a 2006 Chevy Tahoe that I just pray over, anoint with oil, and keep going for another decade or so, we hope. Uh, You hear what I'm saying? He is the source of all truth. Why wouldn't we want him in our lives active every moment of every day? Wouldn't you want to know if there's a force of evil coming against your family? Wouldn't you like to have a warning that that's coming so you'd recognize it? Hello? Wouldn't you want to know that don't go that way? Don't walk that way. Don't watch that show. Don't let that person into your home. This person you're thinking of going into business to, don't or do. Wouldn't you want the source of all truth in you, available every moment of every day, to equip you, to empower you, to walk in victory? Wouldn't Wouldn't you want that? And with the world in which we live today... It is so challenging to recognize what truth is. It is so challenging to not be in fear. I'm telling you, turn off the TV and listen to the Holy Spirit. It'll help you a little bit. Because everything is based in fear. It's meant to scare you. And I'm going to tell you, the presence of fear is a testimony that Satan is there. Did you hear me? God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is power, love, and a sound mind. We need the Holy Spirit. He was designed to be with us. Man messed it up. Spirit man died. Who's left in the navigator seat? No one. Who took over everybody's life? Their soul, either their mind, their emotions, and their will. The good news is, is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your spirit man comes back in life, and it is meant to be in charge of you. But it has been out of practice. Its muscles are weak, and the mind, the emotions, and the will have been running you for 10, 15, 20, 40, 50 years. And so it's necessary for us to engage in the spiritual disciplines that strengthen our spirit man so that our spirit man can say, mind, this is what you're going to think. You're going to reject thoughts that are against God and his word. You're going to reject them. You're going to hold them captive at spear point is what the scripture says. When emotions come, you can experience emotions but not have to be ruled by them. Wouldn't that be fantastic for some of your coworkers? And they're thinking, wouldn't it be fantastic if that happened with you? Huh? And we all know, we all know that there's times that, that our boundaries are challenged and we just don't have the willpower. We don't have the willpower to say no or to say yes. The good news is, as we continually place our trust in the Spirit of God, He strengthens our spirit man we become the people we were designed to be i'm passionate about this can you tell 
It is important. And the problem has been throughout the history of the church is the Holy Spirit has been ignored. He's been set aside. He's been classified as weird. I, was, I grew up in a church. We're on the other side of the tracks. Oh, you're the Holy Roller Church. Anything to make fun of the Holy Spirit. He's the most important thing that we can have in our life today. He's closer than our breath. He's the source of all truth. He's our connection to God. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. Do you think we need the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. For a couple of weeks, I've given you a history lesson on the Old Testament. Today, I'm going to cover 440 years that there's not one word in the Bible about. Oh, man, you got a lot of notes for something that's not in the Bible. You remember in the Old Testament, when did the Holy Spirit show up? He showed up on certain people or for certain instances. We're getting very close to the day that the Holy Spirit, the good news is, is going to descend and remain. And in this 440 years of silence called the intertestamental period, God is doing something by his Spirit to orchestrate the events of history and the events of time to prepare for a day for two people. Do you know who they are? John the Baptist and Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is working through history and through, through people that don't even know they're being used. In Galatians 4, it's not in your notes, but I'll give it to you at no charge. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father, which is a nice big Greek term for daddy. Did you hear what it says? When the set time was fully come. Let me give you, let me give you some brief, brief history. You'll, you'll say, well, you said it wasn't in the Bible. Well, it actually is. In Daniel 2, in Daniel 2, remember this is all in the first part. You're freaking out. I put a couple slides in there just to entertain you. But in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. You remember that? And he sees this big iron thing and, and metal thing, and he doesn't know. And, and Daniel comes in and tells him. And what Daniel is saying is, is uh, your kingdom is this kingdom, the Medes and the Persians. But there's one coming after you that's going to take over. And after the, your dynasty collapses, there's going to be Greek dynasty. And you know who that was? Alexander the Great. And then there's going to be Rome. And then Rome's going to split. And all of those things happen historically, by the way. And that's all mentioned in Daniel chapter 2. But do you realize those kingdoms of the intertestamental period, this time between when Malachi ends, about 440 B.C., and when Jesus is born in about 4 B.C., there's a whole lot going on. And if you were watching the Scripture, you were even told what was going to happen. In Daniel chapter 8, it says, Suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. It came towards 
the two-horned ram I had seen standing behind the, beside the canal and charged at great rage. Look at, you'll, you'll say, what in the world is that? Well, the Medes and the Persians, that's your, your, your two-horned um, ram. Who's the goat? It's Alexander the Great. In 333 B.C., he utterly destroys the kingdom that's founded in, in Babylonia. Utterly destroys, takes over the world. Do you know this? Do you know this? They don't teach you this in your history books. But do you know that, that he was wiping out every land as he was moving towards Israel? But when he got towards Israel and he came into Jerusalem, did you know that the priest... And I'm not making this up. Josephus, the historian, records this event. He said they, they came out in their royal or their priestly robes. And Alexander approached, and, and, and the historian says, And what good would that do? But Alexander had read the scriptures. And he knew who he was. And so he did not destroy the temple. He didn't destroy Jerusalem because he knew he was fulfilling prophecy. Isn't that fantastic? The Holy Spirit was working behind the scenes. Why is the Greek empire important? Well, your New Testament is written in Greek. With a common government came a common language. In fact, it's called the Koine Greek. It's the common, it's the average, everyday Joe Greek that was known throughout the world. And even when Rome took over, guess what the language of business and commerce was? It was still the Koine Greek. Why is that important? Because the Bible, the New Testament, the letters and the Gospels could be written in a language that all the known world could read. Remember what it said? In the fullness of time, God sent his son. All of that had to be arranged. Could you imagine if there was 150 languages over the Middle East and Europe at the time of Jesus? How many? It would have taken them hundreds and hundreds of years. Do you, do you see that? That's an act of the Holy Spirit. We're told later in Scripture, and I'll, I'll speed this up, we're told later in Scripture that that one horn of the goat falls off and four sprout. And, and if you know anything about history, Alexander died at 33, and his kingdom was divided into four parts. Ptolemy was one of his generals, took over the area of Egypt, and also ruled over Israel. And it was a time of relative peace. But uh, the king that took over what would be now Syria, Lebanon, that area, was replaced by Antiochus Epiphany. And do, do you know that he is prophesied in Daniel 8? It says, In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He'll become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. So if you can imagine, Antiochus Epiphany takes over and becomes very, very strong. And have you ever heard about the abomination of desolation? Daniel 8 talks about it, and Daniel 11 prophesies it'll happen. Well, do you know what that was? It was this guy coming in 
and utterly destroying Israel. And he goes into the temple and on the, the, the place where sacrifices, do you know what he put there? He put an idol of Zeus. And guess what else he did? He sacrificed pigs. Now think who we are. Who, who, who's there? What, what, what do the Jewish people and hogs have in common? Absolutely nothing. And then he declares, my birthday's the 25th. Every 25th of every month, you must sacrifice a pig to me. That sounds rather strange, doesn't it? But it's prophesied. The Holy Spirit was at work in history. After that comes the Maccabeans. You ever heard of them? They, they were a group in Israel that led a revolt. And for a hundred years, Israel, in between all of these four warring factions, somehow had independence for a hundred years. But in 63 B.C., Rome comes in and they take over. This is all in Scripture. And after that, in about 37 to 40 B.C., Herod, who was not Roman, nor was he Jewish, strikes a deal and is named king of Israel. You ever heard of Herod the Great? He's the guy that shows up in Scripture. He's the guy that shows up. He's the one that when the Magi come... And they say, we're looking for king of the Jews, which is a title, by the way, he had paid for. What did he tell them? Go find him, and when you do, come and get me. What did he do when they didn't come and get him? Somebody remember what happened next? The slaughter of the innocents, exactly. He ordered anyone in Bethlehem, two and under, be killed because he didn't want a rival. Do you know what happened to him within, some historians say, within a day of that edict? He died. But you remember, he's mentioned because Joseph and Mary left and went to Egypt, and they didn't come back until someone had replaced him. Why did they go to Nazareth? Because the person who had taken over there was more friendly than the one, the one that took over Jerusalem, who shows up, you remember when, at the crucifixion. Isn't that amazing? All of these things happened to prepare for Malachi 3. Now are you ready? Malachi 3, look, I'm sending my messenger, and he'll prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you're seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom uh, you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord. Malachi 5, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Who are, who's, who are they talking about? John the Baptist. And here comes John the Baptist. Now, how does he figure in the Holy Spirit? Well, listen to this in Luke chapter 1. The angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. That's his dad. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, 
will give you a son, and you'll name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. His whole life. Do you see something different? He'll not have the Spirit come on him so he can write a letter. He'll not have the Spirit come on him so he can fight a battle. He is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When? Before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. The Holy Spirit shows up again real quick in the Spirit conception in Luke chapter 1. It says, the angel replied when, he was, when Mary said, how can I have a child? And, and here's what... The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the Spirit of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son, and now in her sixth month, for the word of the Lord will never fail. Some people ask, why is this spirit conception important? Why is that necessary? Well, Psalms 51 tells us that. I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. How do you have a sinless child? He has to be conceived of the Spirit of God. A couple verses later, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Look what happens. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. That's John the Baptist. And what happened? Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. He hasn't been mentioned in 400 years. And suddenly, in, in a just a short passage of time and certainly short passage of scripture he showed up three times so now elizabeth is filled in uh, luke chapter 1 zacharias filled with the holy spirit then his father zachariah was filled with the holy spirit and gave this prophecy do you remember what happened in that story because he he, he questioned god he couldn't speak and it wasn't until after he was John the Baptist was born, and they said, are you going to name him Zechariah? No, his name will be John. And everybody was shocked. He talked for the first time in, in nearly a year. And it says right after that, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's think about it. That's Mary. That's John the Baptist. That's Elizabeth. That's Zechariah. Four people who've been filled with the Spirit for good, for their life. Here we go, just a few few months later, and in Luke uh, chapter 2, you know the custom. A child would be brought on the eighth day to be dedicated to the temple. Who was that child? It was Jesus. Luke chapter 2, at the time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Look what happened. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, listen to this, the Spirit led him to the temple. Some of your, let me stop right here, some of your, your travels, some of the places you go, some of the people you encounter that you think are random, are not random at all. They're Spirit-led. Do you think that, that, that maybe... Maybe that day, Simeon got up and said, 
wow, the Holy Spirit's speaking and I need to go. Or, or did he go out of a custom and then after something happened, he got there and said, wow. It doesn't matter. The Spirit got him there for a divine encounter. And it, look what happened. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord the, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arm and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Did he need the Spirit of God to reveal who this infant was? Absolutely. Absolutely. And look at what he says. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said. In the Old Testament, Zechariah said it this way, Your ancestors refused to listen to this message. They stubbornly turned away and put their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing. They made their hearts as hard as stone, so they could not hear the instructions or the messages that the Lord of heaven's armies had sent by his spirit through the prophets. Point seven. I know you're shocked. I thought he'd never get off point one. It's okay to laugh. Do something. People on, at, at home need to know there's actually people here. Jesus is baptized. But look at what Isaiah 11 prophesies out of the stump of david's family will grow a shoot yes a new branch bearing fruit from the old root and the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the spirit uh, knowledge and the fear of the lord why was it important that jesus come and be filled with the spirit of god that the spirit of god rests on him let me tell you why it would have been real easy, but not divine justice, if God the Son showed up and said, I'm all God, and this is what you need to do. It would have been easy on God's side of the deal. But how would that have helped us? Because we're human. We have feet of clay. And the point of Jesus' life is to show us that when we're spirit-born, that we can rely on the Spirit and each and every day make the right choices, the right decisions, with the power that we need to do that. That's the point of Jesus' life. What seemed impossible, trying to do the old way, now is possible, and Jesus demonstrates it. He lived his life because the Spirit of God was on him. Look at Luke uh, chapter 3. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Now we're talking about, he went down to John the Baptist, he's in the water, as he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. You'll notice he didn't do anything in public ministry until what? Until the Spirit of God was on him. Now, some of you might say, it says the heavens were opened. Does that mean like the sky, there was blue, and then there was a big rip, and you could see black on the other side, and then a dove came flying through and stitched it back up and, and came in? Well, do you know when it says the heavens, the heavenlies, it's epleronios in the Greek. It, it's, it's the levels of spiritual dominion, that fourth dimension. Thrones, rulers, principalities, powers. 
do you notice when you come to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and He comes in your life, suddenly you're aware of spiritual things you weren't aware were there before. Suddenly those things that seem by chance, you realize, wow, now I know what spirit is driving that thing. Notice I didn't say what person is driving it. Now I know what spirit is driving it. Does that make sense? That's what happened with Jesus. There was a revelation. He saw the heavenlies. Now you'll say, well, what are, what are those exactly? Well, well, God had established a hierarchy in the heavenlies. There's the archangels, the big three. There were thrones, kingdoms, powers, if, if you read throughout that. And, and what happened? What happened? Well, when Satan fell, it says one-third of the heavenly hosts went with him. And so Satan kind of mirrors or images what God has done. And you read about it. In Daniel, there's the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. Those aren't actual princes. They're spirit beings who have dominion over particular areas. Jesus had a revelation of that. How? Because he had his encounter with the Spirit of God. Suddenly he could see the hearts of people and see what was motivating them. This is what enabled him to say, you're like your father. Who's our father? Satan. How do you say it? Well, because he's the father of lies and everything you're doing is lying. Does that make sense? Here's the good news. And all of this is to tee it up for next week. Look at the Father's promise for us. Isaiah 59. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with them. Notice he doesn't say contract. He says, this is my covenant with them. My spirit will not leave them. Neither will these words I have given you. They'll be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. Look at the covenant relationship that God wants to enter into. And he sent his son for this very reason, that the spirit of God could be with us and in us for all of our life. Joel chapter 2 says, After doing all these things, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions in those days. I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. The whole point of what I want you to get from today is you don't have to be a special person. You don't have to be a David. You don't have to be a Samuel. You don't have to be a prophet to have the Spirit of God come on you in power and give you authority and give you wisdom and insight and understanding. It's now available for everyone. Luke 3, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. They were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water. But someone is coming soon who's greater than me, and so much greater that I'm not worthy to be a slave and untie his sandals, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus lives his life suffers the humiliation of trial, crucifixion, death, buried in the 
rose again. And Acts chapter 1 says this when he saw them. Forty days after he suffered and died, he, Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift, he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Think of what the Holy Spirit did to that early church. A group of people that were hiding in fear suddenly became emboldened in power to testify of what they had seen and what they had experienced, what Jesus had expressed to the world about God and his nature. They were able to change the world so that within 300 years, it's adopted, or 400 years, Christianity is adopted as the, the religion of Rome. How did that happen? How did a few simple fishermen, a few simple people from an insignificant part of the world become so great, they were empowered by the Spirit of God? That's the promise. As I close, the question is, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Well, it's really simple. You ask. Father, I asked to receive your Spirit. How did you receive Jesus? You asked. But it's funny because here's what happens in the church world because, because the adversary will do anything to convince us that the Holy Spirit is weird and we don't want him. And the question is, has been asked me. How can I be sure if I ask for the Holy Spirit that what happens is the Holy Spirit? Jesus knew that question would be asked. And in Luke 11, he answers it. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You can ask and be sure that Papa God will give you the gift that He promised. You don't have to test to see if it's fake because He'll give you Father, we thank you this morning for the promise of the Spirit of God to walk with us, in us, to reveal all truth, to guide our steps, to give us wisdom and insight and understanding. And we're thankful for the simple way that you made the Spirit available to us, Jesus. All we had to do was ask. And so... Father, we ask, send your spirit to live in us, to dwell within us. Give us supernatural power, inexplicable power, supernatural wisdom, inexplicable wisdom, because your spirit dwells in us.
Thank you for being here today. Those online, thanks for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.